Well, hello everyone, welcome. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you may be, welcome. So um, this is one special um, live stream that we're gonna have because I have two young ladies with me and they're just, they're no ordinary ladies. They're ordinary because they're like you and me, okay? They're working mothers or, or you know, sisters and daughters of some parents who've been working hard so that we all can have a decent life. But at the same time, they are awake and they continue to study and really reclaim that sovereignty that each one was born with. But I wanna welcome all the followers again and Please, if this resonates to you, don't hesitate to share. And remember, this will be uploaded in uh, Quantum Nurse Bitchute, Rumble, Brideon, and now I also made my way to thegetter.com and to just, I just keep trying. If I'm censored in one, then I just keep opening myself to another. So at the beginning, I also like to really give honor to the first creation source and that to the most high and in eternal reverence, joy and gratitude for the unceasing love and mercy of the one source most divine. I'd like to put this live stream in the protection of the divinity. And because currently it seems like we are in the worst times of the most evil empire. It's like it's evil things beyond our imagination. And you are going to learn that this just didn't happen two years ago. It didn't happen just 10 years ago, 100 years ago, thousands, millions. And then if you go deeper, it's even billions of years ago because we are celestial human beings and we are here for our mission. We are here for a purpose. So today, with further, with no further ado, I'm going to uh, introduce to you Tammy Hilly and Emily Hernandez. And these two ladies, I met them on the live Freedom Summit in New Jersey. And New Jersey is not a sleeping state. New Jersey is always in its great awakening state. And I love it. And if you think about it, they always say New Jersey, the, the garden state. See, think about garden and think about uh, what God means about the garden. Okay. So, and Tammy and Emily, welcome, welcome, welcome. And I'm really glad. So I'll, I'll just also say a little bit about them. Uh, other than their powerful presentation, more or less two, three weeks ago. But Tammy is um, Tammy, and Tammy's in the lower part. In my screen, she's in the lower part there. <laughs> Tammy is a mother of four and wife for over 18 years, and she really began her freedom for uh, as a freedom fighter and truth seeker when she had that adverse reaction from a flu vaccine during her first pregnancy. And that should be a real scary thing for her, you know? So, and she can tell you more about that, okay? But because of that, then she woke up and said, hmm, time to look into this vaccine thing. And Emily, Emily Hernandez on the, my left side, <laughs> sorry, and is also a nurse and she's a wake nurse. She has, as I said, she's an enlightened nurse for me. And it's a pleasant to see that. And a young person like that, she, that means she has more years to dedicate her life to all of you, okay? And she is a New Jersey Assembly 
coordinator on the land and soil jurisdiction. And uh, here she is. They're both very active in helping us. So I have to seize the moment that I have these two ladies. And today I had an invitation, Emily and Tammy. I think it's an International Women's Day. So whether that was promoted by whoever again <laughs> controlling that organization, but at least we're honoring that we're powerful women coming together. So welcome and do um, feel free, whoever wants to start introducing themselves more and who wants to bring the, bring out this powerful presentation. And then I know that we, I ask you that they're open for any of you viewers to send in questions in the middle and see how they can integrate your questions, okay? So thank you. Who I was I can go first if that's okay since you introduced me first. <laughs> um, so just to elaborate a little bit um, to your viewers, um, yeah, my journey really started when I had an adverse reaction to the flu vaccine. Um, I hadn't had the flu since I was a kid. I was really healthy during my pregnancy and my my uh, OBGYN um, really scared me into getting that shot. Never had the shot before. Um, and uh, getting that adverse reaction was was really scary. I had 105 fever. I was vomiting and had diarrhea and just was miserable for two weeks, really. It was, um, it was not a pleasant uh, experience, and it really was scary. Um, that kind of sent me down the rabbit hole of uh, the whole medical tyranny. And, um, you know, ever since I've been going to medical freedom protests um, and uh, getting involved with writing to my legislators and um, emailing them and then um, helping uh, other politicians who are also medical freedom fighters uh, with their campaigns. Um, and uh, and so um, those efforts actually halted about eight months ago when I was introduced to the New Jersey Assembly. Um, I was at a um, freedom rally that I was holding in my town and uh, Somebody from the assembly, his name is George Loyola, uh, stopped by and, you know, every Saturday for four hours was really giving us an education. <laughs> and uh, at first it seemed like crazy talk. And, uh, you know, I, I really discounted him. And uh, but after a while, he was really getting in my head and I thought, huh, I really should look into this. Um, and so anyway, that sent me down uh, this whole journey of discovery, uh, which we're going to present to your viewers today. So thank you for having us. Yes, thank you, Grace, for having us on here. And so, um, like Grace said, I've been a nurse for uh, 23 years. And um, what led me down this path um, that awakened, helped awaken me was uh, was actually when I found out that Martin Luther King Jr. was actually murdered by the government. And there was actually a civil lawsuit um, back in the 90s admitting that, yes, they did. Um, and so all, all along, I thought it was a conspiracy theory. I believed in that and, and that it was a conspiracy theory. But when I found out it was true, it sort of changed everything in my mind. I started thinking, wow, I can't trust what, what's being said. And anything that they label as a conspiracy theory, I might have to look into it. And so um, a couple of years ago, a coworker of mine, um, who, whom I trust, and it's a good friend as well, um, she started talking to me a little bit about um, how we've all been enslaved 
via the birth certificate. And I thought, oh my goodness, what? And how they trade us um, our birth certificates like cattle, like chattel um, via the stock markets. And I said, oh my goodness, then oh, I have to look into this. And so I did. And after maybe six months, I found um, the American States Assemblies and Anna von Wrights. And um, I started reading and learning. And then um, I was the first uh, declared American with the American States Assembly. And I volunteered to be the coordinator to help get our um, state back up. And, and now here we are. So. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you, both of you. Well, you know, what's admirable is that both of you, you it's not that you even were studying this, what, 10 years ago, but as soon as you heard about it, understood it, you just really took off <laughs> and started applying it to yourself and then sharing it. So that's why I said, and you know, I'm, I'm so brave and excellent, and I think I'm so good as a health coach. Then, then when I'm listening to, when I started learning about common law, about sovereignty, and I, I tell myself now, all I have to do is be as brave as I was, as I am, when it comes to health, because no one could talk to me about anything to divert me from not taking care of my health the way I wanted to. So. Take it away, ladies. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and share my screen, and we can, um, you know, get started. But I guess before we we get going on here, I just wanted to uh, let people know, um, you know, because uh, there there is some information in here that is a bit controversial, and I think that we're going to have some people of a particular faith maybe get offended. And so I just want to premise that I was raised a Catholic. Um, I was married in a Catholic church. Um, all of my children are baptized first communions. Um, and so we were really devout Catholics. Um, and so I just want to premise that because, you know, um, sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. And so um, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and share the screen and please feel free to, um, you know, ask us questions along the way. So hang on there, ladies, um, gentlemen. <laughs> She's almost there. Okay, here it is. Okay. All right. So uh, <clears throat> uh, our presentation is uh, for for y'all to learn how to reclaim your birthright as an American. Um, and for those of you who don't recognize uh, the backdrop, uh, this is our um, peace civil flag. And um, Emily, do you want to talk a little bit about the flag and its history? Um, well, um, I don't know the history uh, completely off the top of my head, but um, it used to be flown before the Civil War um, on ships and it was placed on buildings, um, signaling that this was, uh, they were um, under peace uh, as opposed to um, war vessels or army um, um, vessels, whatever you want to call them. 
So anything that was part of the military usually flew the old glory flag. And this was the civilian peacetime flag. Yep. All right. So the next slide, we're just going to uh, cover um, some technicalities here. Let's see. Okay, the Bivens decision. This meeting is private, bearing false witness, misrepresentation, and posting inflammatory rhetoric in public forums is forbidden and shall be addressed in an appropriate manner to eliminate all conflict and false allegations. Is there anyone here in attendance at this event? Is a member or agent of any law enforcement agency or public agency of the federal, state, city? county or township agencies present and this is a live presentation so no one can really um you know declare themselves but um basically what we're trying to let you know is that in no way you are to misrepresent anything we're saying and um and use it against us okay yep thank you all right so <clears throat> These are a bunch of slides that maybe some of your um, viewers in your audience may recognize themselves in some of these slides. Um, <clears throat> so uh, let's start this one. So I'm sure <clears throat> some of your viewers are, um, you know, were like me going to these protests and fighting for your rights and doing everything in their power to let their legislators and those who uh, serve in authoritative positions that, um, you know, we're not supporting any of these bills that they're trying to pass. Um, and we go and we show up and only to find out that they uh, pass these bills anyway. Sometimes it feels like we're doing this. 
we're spinning our wheels and getting nowhere. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Well, we're hoping that your viewers can handle the truth because <clears throat> that's what we're going to present to them today. So what this presentation does is we're going to go back into the history, um, basically 700 years ago, and describe kind of the pivotal moments in our history where uh, we kind of really got off track and was derailed. Um, maybe then we'll start putting the pieces of the puzzle together to understand why we're in the position that we are today. So, <clears throat> Emily? The jigsaw, the jigsaw puzzle. So um, if you look at this uh, round item here, we have some um, patriots, Joe Bannister, Tommy Cryer, con uh, Congressman Louis T. McFadden, John uh, Fitzgerald Kennedy, MLK, David E. Roberts, uh, Rob Benson. So Americans suffered every kind of injustice, injustice to reveal this truth. There's too many to name, some imprisoned uh, and threatened to contribute their piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and I would encourage um, your viewers to, um, you know, um, write down some of these names and then go and, and research them. Obviously we know JFK and we know MLK, <clears throat> but I wasn't familiar with uh, Congressman uh, Louis T. McFadden and a, and a lot of these other names and it's quite interesting, but the following slides are some quotes from them. Congressman Louis T. McFadden uh, in the following is the summary of the remarks before Congress circa 1934. So this is going back 1934 documenting the greatest gold heist in the history of the human race. Quoted him, Mr. Chairman, we have in this country one of the most corrupt institutions the world has ever known. Aaron Russo, the two-party system is a bad joke on the American people. When it comes to Republicans and Democrats, remember they are two sides of the same coin. Voting for the lesser of the two evils is still a vote for evil and not an answer to our problems. A vote for a Republican or a Democrat will not fix anything and is a wasted vote. <clears throat> President John F. Kennedy, there's a plot in this country to enslave every man, woman, and child. Before I leave this high and noble office, I intend to expose this plot. And finally, Martin Luther King Jr., injustice and corruption will never be transformed by keeping them hidden but only by bringing them out into the light and confronting them with the power of love. And that's what I hope all of you get out of our presentation today is Emily and I bringing the truth to light and um, confronting them with the power of love. Emily? Disclaimer, the truth is not relative. The truth is absolute. However, we are mammals and the best we can do is tell the truth to the best of our knowledge and ability. This we have done and are doing. What does the Bible say about the truth and knowledge? John 8, 32. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Proverbs 1, 29-33. Because they hated knowledge and the fear of the Lord, they did not choose. They ignored my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. 
Well then, they shall eat the fruit of their own way, and with their own devices be glutted. For the straying of the naive kills them, the smugness of fools destroys them. But whoever obeys me dwells in security and peace without fear or harm. Luke eight seventeen, For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. And uh, I want to introduce you to this man. His name is Melvin Stamper. He wrote the book, Fruit from a Poisonous Tree. Um, and this really was the book that um, set me down this path. Um, I was introduced to the New Jersey Assembly and to Anna Von Wright's um, and viewing her website, um, it uh, I was really overwhelmed with the amount of information, and I also wanted to find other resources that could really back up some of the things that she was saying. Because you know, having been you know having learned that uh, I've been duped this whole time uh, with the evidence, you know, with this information that was being presented. I felt that um, it was in my, my best interest really to further investigate and see who else out there, um, you know, was informed and in actually telling this truth. And so um, the next slide is going to be a quote from his, um, in this book, he, he puts his repudiation of the, his citizenship to the United States. Um, and so uh, first I want to read you the forward because it's quite interesting. Um uh, Melvin Stamper has experienced a remarkable life journey few of us will ever experience. His background in law and criminal investigation has enabled him to uncover facts of the crime of the millennium. And he's not kidding when it's the crime of the millennium. Exposing the motive along with the conspirators, the subtle and not so subtle threats from the government agencies that he was investigating merely served as a motivating force in confirmation of his investigation. Experience is the one factor we must all use in determining credibility of another. And Stamper's experience in law, analytical thinking, and detection rivals that of any other in the investigation of a crime involving government subterfuge and cover-up. This author served his country as a U.S. Marine in Southeast Asia, a police chief, a railroad special agent, a CI intelligence source, industrial engineer, a pilot, law professor, legal researcher, private investigator, and an ombudsman with the Department of Defense. Phew, that's a long list of things he's this guy has accomplished. Anyway, his analytical skills were honed by all of his experience and education for the investigation of his life, the United States government. My personal relationship with the author has spanned two decades, and he never stops amazing me with the information he uncovers. Get comfortable and hold on to your hat. And this this guy's not kidding. But the forward was written by a retired municipal judge from Newark, New Jersey. So I thought that was really interesting. I think that there's a lot of people that actually know this information. Um, and it's just been hidden from us. I mean, I've never heard of this book until I started, you know, kind of doing the digging and the research. Um, the next slide is getting uh, just a, a part of his repudiation letter because it's pretty relevant to... Um, to this presentation. I have lived a productive and eventful life now in anticipation of the end in God's mercy. Undoubtedly, the singularly most horrific moment of my life was the conviction to repudiate my citizenship of the United States. Those words, repudiate my citizenship, crushed the very soul within me. 
I stand now beneath that flag I served with pride for nearly 40 years. The memories of our brave young men, my comrades in arms, who defended the Constitution, who never had a life flood before me. They sacrificed all of our, their tomorrows so that I might have mine. Those memories will always remain with me and be remembered with humble honor and gratitude. The awful knowledge and horror of betrayal of my own government, of which I was once so proud, is an unbearable sorrow that I must now carry to my grave. But I shall do so as a free man. Perhaps the American people are like the frog that is heated slowly to a boil in a pot of water. If we had detected the heat sooner, we could have jumped out, saving the Republic and ourselves. But alas, our grandfathers were asleep at the helm and not as vigilant as they were instructed to be by Thomas Jefferson. Americans are now awakening to the cataclysmic reality of a fascist one world government having replaced our intended constitutional Republican government. So in just a bit um, on that last slide um, is that uh, I highly recommend those who are going to go down this path of research. Uh, that book is really uh, a remarkable book. It goes even through the IRS fraud and explains how they were able to get away with taxing us through the IRS unlawfully. Um, he has uh, codes and statutes in there. And uh, and he names people the the perpetrators the 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 traitors really the traitors of this country that um, you know that has put us through this fraud. Um, so anyway, now we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to go back in time uh, to as far back as seven hundred years ago. Um, well, actually, this is the first slide is the the next slide I should say is the beginning of of time. Go ahead, Emily. Okay, the trust. So Genesis 1, uh, 26, that's uh, dash 28. And God said, let us make man in our, in our image after our likeness and let them, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So um, God, which is the donor, gave the earth the asset to Adam as the trustee for all future generations. So we are the beneficiaries and that's what the trust is. And we take our turns as children. We are the beneficiaries as adults. We are the trustees and as elders, we are the donors. However, in 1302, Pope Boniface VIII, or Bonifaci, <laughs> however you want to describe it, the uh, VIII uh, said, let's see, God gave the earth to Adam. Adam gave it to his kids. It all came down to Jesus who gave it to Peter in his absence, who passed on the responsibility to me. I am the global trustee. So he coined himself as the global trustee, basically taking dominion over the entire earth. 
This is going back to 1302. This is the pivotal moment, one of the pivotal moments in our history that set us off course. Um, and so in coining himself as the global trustee, he then proceeded to break the uh, earth up into three jurisdictions. And that's what this next, or actually I should, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but um, the Global Estate Trust is born. Um, and um, uh, as you can see, it starts with the Unum Sanctum in 1302. Um, and then uh, it continues on with the first testamentary in 1455 by Romanus Pontifex. And then Attorney Regis, um, that's the second testamentary trust. Um, and then the convocation in 1537. Um, Emily, do you want to uh, elaborate a little bit on, on what these trusts mean? Um, so basically, they put everyone's assets into these trusts. And so because the original uh, Bonifaci VIII uh, had declared himself God's uh, agent on earth um, without anyone's consent, without any authority, and so basically what all these are, it's um, a place where they store your assets. Yes. Thank you. So the trust was, like I said, the earth was broken up into three jurisdictions. Um, and that includes the air jurisdiction, which includes living and dead souls, spirits, angels, demons, ideas, all global in nature are controlled by the Pope and his appointees. Also, the sea jurisdiction, which includes all vessels, mariners, sailors, merchants, creatures of the sea, international in nature, are controlled by the British monarchs. And then we have the land jurisdiction, which is all the resources of the land, including people, animals, plants, and minerals, are national in nature and are controlled by the Spanish king, if there is one. So uh, the trust operates by providing services, uh, postal services via postal uh, districts and the post office, legal services and standards via the bar associations, banking services, domestic police services, medical and welfare services, insurance, defense services. Yeah, all of which we are familiar with. <laughs> And all this and more was be was being accomplished by the Global Estate Trust more than 200 years before the American Revolution. Which was a long time ago before our time. <laughs> so the trust is the largest corporate conglomerate. So remember that it's a corporate conglomerate, an interlocking trust directorate on earth with four administrative hubs operated as London, otherwise known as Westminster, Washington, D.C., the Vatican, and the United Nations in New York City. They are independent international city-states. And, the, and uh, the Vatican is the headquarters. So it's, um, it's interesting because I know I'm familiar with that saying, you know, all roads re lead to Rome. <laughs> I wondered why they said that, but now I know. Emily? All right. 
and the inner city of London, also known as Westminster, operates the legal and banking services. The Washington DC municipality operates defense services. The United Nations provides trade, treaty, and negotiation services for members. These independent city-states together create the empire of the city, but it's really the empire of, it's the empire of the global estate trust. And we're all part of it, like it or not, for the last 700 years. And so the global estate trust comes to America. From 1492 to 1776, um, it's basically private investment for public advancement. You have the king, the crown, and investors who uh, conspire together and they do the dance of public and private. So we had investment companies formed under royal privilege, otherwise corporations, for the purpose to develop North American continent. Monarch investment companies established investment districts and assigned colonial territories for investors to fund. You had companies like the Virginia Company and the New England Company, both of which were among the many investment companies drawing private money from localities in England to support colonization of the New World. Each trading company depended on a charter from their monarch. Each monarch depended on land claims made on their behalf by the commercial companies and military missions. And so this same arrangement continues unabated to the present day. So the military protects commercial interests and the commercial interests fund the government and the government pays the military and around and around it goes. And we're not part of it. And this is known as the military industrial complex. So now we're gonna move on to the colonial period. Okay, moving forward to the 1600s, the early 1600s. So the first big lie is that the colonists pretended that the land was vacant and open to claim. They discounted the Indians because they weren't Christian. The second big lie, colonists tried to buy the land from the Indians, but they told them that they didn't own the land, the land owned the people. So colonists ignored this and forced the Indians to accept gifts as payment and concocted con contracts of sale based on this practice. Indians continued to continue their efforts to bring fraud to everyone else's attention. They were deemed enemies of the crown and subjected to physical and cultural genocide for 400 years. Men, women, and children died to bring you this truth. And the Native Americans had their own vision of the global trust, and it was quite simple. The trust is sacred and belongs equally to all people. The trust requires our gratitude. We cannot take without giving. The trust requires caretaking. This generation cannot destroy what is owed to the next. 
It is every adult's duty to hand over the trust in the same or better condition than he received it. Anyone who wastes resources or pollutes the world is viewed like a two-year-old with a hammer, too ignorant to know better, dangerous, and needing guidance and discipline. Now we're moving on to the Thirty Years' War and the French and Indian War. Well, the French and Indian War was just an extension of the Thirty Years' War, but that would admit it was Britain and France's fault, and that colonials were only innocent third parties drawn into British war-for-profit scheme, and then handed the bill, which is a reoccurrent theme as we know it today. Britain starts a war, Americans fight for the British, and America gets handed the bill. Dear Parliament, we hold these truths to be self-evident that King George III is a delusional twit. He made a lot of treaties with the Indians that we can't keep and we are not picking up the tab for the latest war. Respectfully yours, the Colonials. So the American Revolutionary War is the pivotal moment in our history where uh, basically you had people, the patriots, standing up and saying, no, we're not going to um, be a part of this uh, uh, scheme of yours anymore. We're not going to pay your taxes. We're not going to be enslaved. And so we had the American Revolutionary War and we won it, as we know. But what did we get out of it? So we won absolute control of the land jurisdiction. Every American has more civil authority on the land than the entire federal government. <clears throat> and what did George get out of it? Permanent control of American international commerce and shipping via control of the jurisdiction of the sea, tribute in the form of minerals, gold, silver, copper, no further obligation to the native Aboriginal people to stop westward, westward colonization. No obligation to send support men supplies to the colonies anymore. The colonies now heavily in debt to King George and obligated to pay for funding both sides of the conflict. All British commercial interests remain intact. Not a bad return on that investment, George, old chap. Yeah, he he uh, he didn't seem to lose much there. <laughs> no, and he funded both sides of the war, as most people already know. Correct. So um, since we won the uh, American Revolutionary War, the jurisdictions then were split. The Americans won the land jurisdiction and the British won the high seas and navigable inland waterways. This created the need to set up two separate national trusts and created two separate nations with two different kinds of citizens, all living under one roof right from the very start. So this is a cartoon kind of depicting uh, the difference between being an American and a U.S. citizen. So Americans uh, fly the civil flag with vertical stripes. It's our peace flag. And living on the land, uh, it consists of public law, common law, Geneva Conventions, the Constitution, and Mosaic Law, or otherwise known as the Ten Commandments. All are withheld held up by things like common sense and the Declaration of Independence. 
However, if you're a U.S. citizen, you were cast out at sea. You fly the war flag with the horizontal stripes. And in the sea, you live amongst all the sharks, which are the corporations, the attorneys, commerce, and states. So in my... Um, in my research, I never heard of jurisdictions. I'm sure a lot of the viewers here today, um, you know, haven't heard anything of, of our globe being um, divided into three different jurisdictions. The only kind of jurisdiction I've ever heard of is when a, um, when a sheriff was out of its county and therefore out of its jurisdiction and had no jurisdiction over anybody in a different county. So in my research, I came across this website. You could see uh, the address on the bottom of the slide. Um, and this is basically depicting um, the jurisdiction of the sea. As you can see, you know, you got the high seas way out there, uh, exclusive economic zone, the contiguous zone, and the territorial sea. Um, and these are the definitions. Uh, the first one is interesting. A maritime boundary is is conceptual division of the Earth's water surface areas using a physiographic or geopolitical, I thought that was interesting criteria, and go all the way down to the fourth one down. Um, it says, although in some countries the term maritime boundary represents borders of a maritime nation that are recognized by the United Nations Convention of the Law of the Sea. So the sea jurisdiction is also considered the admiralty or maritime jurisdiction. So admiralty, maritime, and sea jurisdictions are all interchangeable. Um, and that's, uh, you know, something that I found. So now, who are you? Who are they? Or what are they? So what does that mean when um, you're of a different jurisdiction? You know, land, sea, air, what does that mean? So Emily, go ahead. So American state citizens or nationals are on the land jurisdiction. They're all living people, have natural unalienable rights, right? Have beneficial interests in the land and its resources, are guaranteed a limited Republican style of government, are protected by national trusts and ventures, international treaties, and commercial agreements all have more civilian authority on the land than the entire federal government, have been at peace since 1865, and inhabit the land of their states. For example, New Jersey state is inhabited by New Jerseyans. And we fly the, civil, the civilian flag of the United States of America major and unincorporated. And then there are the United States citizens, which are in the sea jurisdiction. And uh, left some were left over from after the revolution as British territorial citizens. They can be living people born in federal enclaves or corporations, have only civil rights, which are privileges granted by Congress, accept any kind of government, including oligarchy and legislative democracy. They regard the Constitution for the United States of America as an equity contract only. They have no civilian authority on the land. They have been at constant war since 1860. 
And that's because they constantly are calling um, state of emergencies such as, uh, or wars such as the war on drugs, the war on bio on terrorism. And um, they merely reside on the land of the American states, which is temporary. They fly the stars and stripes war flag of the United States. And as of 1868, another class of US citizen was added, the United States citizens in all capital letters, or otherwise known as a US corporate citizen or debt slave. These citizens, in quotes, are debt slaves. They have no rights, no legal standing, and are enslaved by perpetual debt. So if you've ever wondered why uh, you feel like this, it's because they've mischaracterized you. From the very beginning of the American story, there were three kinds of United States. The land jurisdiction of the several states, the sea jurisdiction operated by the United States of America, the business organization doing business as the United States charged with supplying the 19 governmental services the federal government is supposed to supply the states. Because neither the Congress nor the state legislators have been operating in their proper capacity, no amendments have been made to the actual Constitution since 1860. This is the actual Constitution that establishes the law of the land. That is the law that the federal government must operate under with respect to the land jurisdiction and the people of the land. We are owed all our natural rights and Republican form of government. And these are some of the Supreme Court cases to uh, support these claims. So this is U.S. versus Kruenschenk. In 1875, a person may be a citizen of the United States, U.S. citizen, and of a state, and as such, have different rights. This is the Oregon Supreme Court, Redfield v. Fisher in 1930. The individual, unlike the corporation, cannot be taxed for the mere privilege of existing. Corporation is an artificial entity which owes its existence and charter powers to the state. But the individual's rights to live and own property are natural rights for the enjoyment of which an excise cannot be imposed. And this is Hale v. Henkel in uh, 1906. The individual, state citizen, may stand upon his constitutional rights as a citizen. He is entitled to carry on his private business in his own way. His power to contract is unlimited. He owes no duty to the state or to his, or to his neighbors to divulge his business or to open his doors to an investigation so far as it may tend to incriminate him. He owes no such duty to the state since he receives nothing there from beyond the protection of his life and property. His rights are such as existed by the law of the land long antecedent to the organization of the state and can only be taken from him by civil due process of law and in accordance with the Constitution. Among his rights are a refusal to incriminate himself and the immunity of himself and his property from arrest or seizure except under a warrant of law. He owes nothing to the public so long as he does not trespass upon their rights. And this is just uh, further uh, further declared in the um, in that past 
um, lawsuit regarding U.S. citizen, which includes a corporate citizens. So it says, upon the other hand, the corporation is a creature of the state. It is presumed to be incorporated for the benefit of the public. It receives certain privileges and franchises and holds them subject to the laws of the state and the limitations of its charter. Its powers are limited by law. It can make no contract, not authorized, but its charter. Its rights to act as a corporation are only preserved to it as long as it obeys the laws of its creation. There is a reserved right in the legislature to investigate its contracts and find out whether it has exceeded its powers. And Chief Judge Fox, U.S. District Court in Michigan, commenting on Milizuski versus Sears Roebuck. This is in 1972. A mere statement of this fact may not seem very significant. Corporations, after all, are not supposed to exercise the governmental powers with which the Bill of Rights was concerned. But this has been radically changed by the emergence of the public-private state. Today, private institutions do exercise governmental power, more indeed than government itself. We have two governments in America, then one under the Constitution and a much greater one not under the Constitution. In short, the inapplicability of our Bill of Rights is one of the crucial facts of American life today. How was all of this deceit and deception perpetrated on us Americans? They misidentified us only a few short days after our birth via the birth certificate. Then they trafficked us from our original land and soil jurisdiction to their foreign jurisdiction of the sea. They continued to misidentify us through unilateral and adhesion contracts under their Roman civil law via driver's licenses marriage, professional, and other licenses you can think of. They use semantic deceit to confuse us. <laughs> they deceive us into giving away your property. I'm sorry. They deceive you into giving away your property via registrations, like your car registration, public school registration, voting registration. Sorry about my dog. She has something to say, too. <laughs> <laughs> She's upset with all the deceit and deception. <laughs> the dog agrees. <laughs> <laughs> so Americans elect and United States citizens vote. This is really hard. This, this was a hard concept for me to wrap my head around. But per the 14th Amendment to the corporate constitution, only federal citizens can vote in federal elections. Registration as a voter is your consent to function as a federal citizen subject to the whims of Congress. Moreover, according to the Library Code in 1863, <clears throat> section 40 and 41, which is still in force and effect for all federal citizens and which constitutes the martial law that these citizens still live under. All laws are suspended except the Liber Code itself. United States citizens have been kept in a constant state of war and subject to martial law for 159 years. 
American state citizens and nationals are owed all the protections of the Geneva Convention Protocols of 1949. Article 3 of those conventions makes it a capital crime or death penalty to change the citizenship status of an American state citizen to that of United States citizen. But the perpetrators of this vast fraud scheme, fraud scheme have nonetheless contrived to do this via redefinition of living people and their property assets as estates, that is, corporate entities, which fall within the international jurisdiction of the sea and which can be attacked at will. So pulling people from the land and air jurisdictions into the jurisdiction of the sea is known as press ganging, and it has been outlawed for 200 years. Most people who serve in the military, particularly in the Navy or as a Marine, I think um, know the term press ganging. I never heard of it until I started researching this. Um, when the sea jurisdiction laps onto land, it's called inland piracy. That's outlawed too. When people of the land jurisdiction are forced to donate the fruits of their labor against their will, it is known as peonage or enslavement, also outlawed. All right. We're going to keep on moving. <laughs> I hope all your listeners are, are hanging in there. <laughs> I, was just right, thinking, so I was just thinking that so you know the fruits of the labor you you know we could think about it as all our or the taxes all the little things that they put on the side when we're purchasing thing or when we're working they get all those deductions you know it, and they were just they're just ripping everything off in a very subtle way and some of them are subtle but of course there's some many obvious things right yeah yeah, yeah. And it's getting more obvious every day as they become more arrogant and just it seems like they no longer care. And now they're just, you know, they flaunt it in your face. Yeah. And um, when you were talking about earlier, and maybe you could also define what that, what does this assets mean? Because, you know, other people may say, well, I don't own a land, so that's I don't have an asset or I don't have all those um um investment so that that wouldn't be an asset we all have assets our bodies are an asset our children are assets um your home your clothing your food your labor your your you know your your money those are all assets so everyone has an asset yep go ahead ladies thank you okay well this okay. next one is um is interesting. Emily, you can start with this. Yeah, so um, the, title, the Titles of Nobility Amendment, which was from the original 13th Amendment, was the original 13th Amendment, and that was ratified in 1819. Um, and so it's um, article or amendment 13. It says, if it, any citizen of the United States shall accept, claim, receive, or retain any title of nobility or honor or shall without the consent of Congress accept and retain any present pension office or emolument of any kind, whatever, from any emperor, king, prince, or foreign power 
Such person shall cease to be a citizen of the United States and shall be incapable of holding any office of trust or profit under them or either of them. So that was the original 13th Amendment. And this um, is where, where it was found. This is a book called uh, The Military Laws of the United States. Um, and as you can see at the bottom, uh, it was, uh, I guess the publishers are by Truman Cross, Washington. Edward D. Kraft was the printer in 1825. So uh, the, the 13th Amendment is in this book, and you could also find it at this uh, website down here. It's, it's archived. And the, the reason why this uh, aspect in our history, again, this is a pivotal moment in our history and why it's so important, is because this is the original 13th Amendment. And had we known and were paying attention that they actually switched the 13th Amendment to what it is today, if we had known that it was switched and this was the original one, we would have known that President Lincoln would have never qualified to be the president for our country because he, he held a title of nobility, which was a bar attorney. A bar, bar stands for British Accredited Registry. And so it's, it's a British uh, title of nobility. So um, he would have disqualified to be our president. Um, so in just a little bit of history about uh, how that 13th Amendment came about, they, they introduced it in 1810, like Emily said, and it took them nine years to get Virginia to become the 13th final state that was required to ratify the amendment. Um, and they did that on March 12, 1819. Um, and it was the amendment to the Constitution for the United States of America. Now, real, recognize that United is in a lowercase letter because um, it was never supposed to uh, be the name. It was supposed to just be an adjective describing the states. Um, and so that uh, Constitution is not to be confused with the much later lookalike, soundalike, corporate constitution of the United States of America, all in capital, you know, the capital letters, you know, to, um, to make it a formal name. So the titles of nobility amendment added a strict, specific and enforceable penalty for violations of the already existing constitutional prohibition in article one, section nine, clause eight, loss of citizenship and inability to hold public office. So that also means that any of our uh, legislators or anybody that's serving in our government currently, um, if they hold, if they are a bar attorney, um, they're really disqualified from, from serving in our government. Sorry, let me go. I don't know if this was, uh, this was the next one. So, yep. so would that mean, um, Tammy, would that mean that even Lincoln is was also like a chosen person just as now you know the people who are in control choose and mold people yes from, yeah. from what i understand um you know and and emily will elaborate a little more on this but um from what i understand uh whether he was chosen or you know what the scheme was back then i be, you know we believe that he he was chosen 
but um, that, uh, you know, he, he made a deal with the devil and he was the first, you know, like this slide shows, he was the first CEO of the United States Incorporated. Um, and then um, from what we understand, because a lot of people believe that he was a good man and that he really wanted to free the slaves. Um, and, uh, you know, we were told that once he saw uh, the, the battlefield and all the dead bodies at uh, the Battle of Gettysburg, um, he had a coming to Jesus and he actually turned to Jesus and tried to turn his life around and tried to do better for the country, which is why they, um, which is why they assassinated him. But anyway, Emily, you could go ahead and present this slide and, and elaborate a little more. Yeah. And so, um, it's believed that he, because of this titles of nobility amendment, he wasn't, um, you know, qualified to be the president of the American federal Republic. And so um, what he did is he incorporated, um, he created a corporation of what should never have been incorporated, which is a sovereign government. And so he became president of the corporation, not of the American Federal Republic under that first constitution. And so um, that led to a couple things. For example, when the Southern states um, under the Articles of Confederation, when they um, seceded from the Union. One of the reasons that it's believed why they did that, and there's several, is because they knew he wasn't qualified and he didn't belong there. And so, you know, among all the other, um, you know, schemes that were going on at the time, you know, the Southern states, um, they just weren't having it. So basically, he was no honest Abe. He never qualified to become the president because he was a bar attorney. Um, and, you know, he had a title of nobility, which is that um, barrister, bar esquire. And he set Americans black, American blacks free as slaves, but never as free men. So basically, he um, emancipated them, right? And um, they became, uh, he abolished um, private slavery but then they became public slaves and so did we. So they just kind of added us all into that. He was <laughs> the very first CEO. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically just to summarize that is that he made it look like he freed uh, you know, the black slaves in the South, but then what he did was he freed them, but then only to turn around and enslave all of us. <laughs> I, I hear you. And um, and from what I understand, even before, is he really had no other choice anymore because you know the movement on the other side was getting stronger, so he just had to free. He had to declare to free the slaves. Something kind of like the same as when um, they would say that in, in the history part of the history of the Philippines, they say, okay, you know, we're winning the war, the revolution, but it's actually they don't have any more choice but to let it be, but at the same time, we're being sold in another country. Yeah. Right. Correct. Yeah, and it was pretty much optics. I mean, it was a good thing that they, you know, the American blacks were freed, but they never granted them state citizenship. So, you know, it, they didn't really finish what they were supposed to do. And they, there's just a lot of scheming going on at that time. And um, why he did that, we don't really know. Um, why he did a lot of things, we don't know. 
I'm sure there are people that have, you know, figured that out, but I personally don't know. But um, we know that he was the very first CEO of the incorporated, all in capital letters, United States Incorporated. He created the very first executive order because it was now a corporation called the Libra Code. And that put us into martial law or rule under emergency orders, which he had no authority to enact. And we had been in a perpetual state of war up until August 2028. I'm sorry, 2020. And that's when um, the American States Assembly, um, the American state citizens of the assemblies voted for uh, peace on the land and soil officially. All right, so the next thing we're going to bring up is a um, is a video to explain the 14th Amendment. So in case people that are watching are a little confused, because all of this is very confusing, he kind of um, explains it in a way that lays it all out there and, and is easy to follow. So here's this. Hi, I'm Bruce Ray Riggs, and I was asked to do this video proven cannabis laws, income tax, gun control, and all those are unconstitutional. They derive from an unconstitutional jurisdiction. The American people were deceived out of their constitutional standing in law, and the constitutional standing in law was switched to a corporate standing in law, where they became owned corporate property, corporations owned by another corporation. Here's how they did it. In 1862, while the Civil War was going on, Congress took it upon themselves to redefine the meaning of a word, person, to mean a corporation. So in 1868, when the 14th Amendment made all persons, which is corporations, citizens of the United States, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, here's what they did. Let's look at the term United States. This term has several meanings. Black's Law Dictionary makes that clear. One meaning is Title 28, Subsection 3002, Part 15A. United States means a federal corporation. I'm making you a citizen of Washington, D.C., which is United States, Washington, D.C., Incorporated, doing business as the United States, February 21st, 1871. <clears throat> when they, on the last page of the 14-page document, when Washington, D.C. declared itself, became a corporation, they declared themselves to be the owner and head and successor of all corporations, said corporations, and all the property of said corporations. You and everything you own, all your stuff. So can a corporation that owns another corporation command it what to do? Sure. You became chattel property. You became an owned corporate asset. You became a corporation owned by another corporation. Notice all crimes, Title 27 of the federal Code of Federal Regulations, Title 27-72.1. All crimes, state or federal, no matter which one, are commercial crimes. Every one of them. Because a corporation is a person within a meaning of the 14th Amendment. You. <laughs> you see, the 14th Amendment created or at least recognized on July 28, 1868, a citizen of the United States, as distinct of that of the state. The state citizen is the one the Constitution originally created. That one will be found in Article 4, Section 2 of the United States Constitution. The citizen you are, if you're a citizen of the United States, is a 14th Amendment fictional creation known as a, as a person or citizen of the United States. Same thing. Notice all the laws apply to persons and citizens of the United States. 
the 16th Amendment income tax. They say it's unconstitutional. So how do they get past that? The tax only applies to persons and citizens of the United States. It's a corporate tax. <laughs> so, so is this lawful? How is it illegal? How is it illegal to change your standing in law from being a citizen of a constitution to being an owned, a corporation owned by another corporation subject to the jurisdiction thereof? It's not lawful. It was, even if it was, if the 14th Amendment was properly ratified, let's take a look at the Supremacy Clause of the United States Constitution found in Article 6, Paragraph 2, which holds the Constitution to be supreme law of the land and it strikes anything out of its way nullified that tries to supersede it. The 14th Amendment created a different government, a different citizenship, with a different jurisdiction than what the Founding Fathers gave them. That's the reason a 10th Amendment doesn't apply to a 14th Amendment citizenship. There's no boundaries there. There's no perimeter on how far this corporate jurisdiction to go. Now, does the Congress know of this fraud? Oh, sure, they know. 1957, Georgia Memorial Congress. They know. The 1967 Congressional Record memorialized on the Senate floor, page 15641 through 15646. They know. And the most recently updated national state of emergency from two, uh, November 26, 2008, the CRS report to Congress, page five of that 19-page document, which is found at CRS-2, top paragraph, makes clear Executive Order 6 ordered the 14th Amendment ratified. Executive Order 7 ordered it lawful and published. Nowhere in the written letter of the Constitution is it lawful to ratify an amendment to the Constitution with any form of executive order. But these two aren't even real executive orders. Executive Order 6 and 7, as the CRS report makes clear, was only had the signature of the Secretary, not the President, Andrew Johnson, who was against the 14th Amendment, saying it created a de facto government, which it did. <laughs> Let's look up de facto government here. Black's Law Dictionary, <clears throat> fourth edition. Y'all can get these on eBay for like $20 used, but it's good to have a Black's Law Dictionary. I love them. One that maintains itself by display of force against the will of the rightful legal government and, and is successful, at least temporarily, in overturning the institutions of the rightful legal government by setting up its own in lieu thereof. The 14th Amendment created a different government, a different citizenship, in a different jurisdiction. The Founding Fathers didn't give the government the jurisdiction to do what it's doing today. Cannabis laws included, gun control included. See, the 14th Amendment makes you subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Subject to Black's Law Dictionary, 4th edition. Liable, subservient, inferior, obedient to, governed, or affected by. 
Wow. <laughs> that's a hard, that's a, that's a far cry from the word free. Black's Law Dictionary, free, not subject to legal constraint of another. Unconstrained, having power to follow the dictates of his own will, not subject to the dominion of another, not compelled to involuntary servitude. Used in the sense as opposed to slave. Word for word, Black's Law Dictionary, y'all. See, the 14th Amendment made you an owned piece of property. You see, when, a, when, when in Washington, D.C. in 1871, after it created the citizenship of the United States, incorporated, doing business as the United States, and declared itself to be the owner and head and successor of said corporations in the United States and owners of their property thereof. After making you a corporation, that's all your stuff. That's why you owe so much on the national debt. That and 14th Amendment Section 4 makes you responsible for the national debt and goes on to say you don't have no right to question the validity of it. You're subject to the jurisdiction thereof. They can't say they don't know. I and mean, this, is, this is not nothing that Congress don't know. I mean, 1957, the Georgia Memorial to Congress, they know. The 1967 Congressional Record, page 15641 through 15646, the CRS report from November 26, 2008, CRS-2, which is the fifth page of that 19-page document, top paragraph, makes clear, Executive Order 6 ordered the 14th Amendment ratified. Executive Order 7 ordered it lawful and published. And both Executive Order 6 and 7 were never even signed by the President. Even though, even if they were signed by the President, there was no lawful jurisdiction given in the Constitution to ratify a constitutional amendment with an executive order especially two of them, that's fake. Especially when the president, Andrew Johnson, was against the 14th Amendment, like we've already pointed out. So the 14th Amendment created a different citizenship than the Constitution originally created in Article 4, Section 2. Congress also set up a different court system for the 14th Amendment citizenship. We originally had Article 3, Section 2, Clause 1, Jurisdiction and Law and Equity. Now you're in equity at law, because a corporation's a person within the meaning of the 14th Amendment. That's pretty much in summation. I have other videos that get into much more detail that break this down if you really want to get into more details. All of, all of those can be found at dirtyunclesam.com. I'm the owner there also, as well as proveitsreal.com. If anyone thinks they can prove the 14th Amendment's real, they have a right to collect the money that was pledged from the people that pledged it if they possibly can. You can't. The Supremacy Clause strikes it with null if it was properly ratified, and it wasn't. And your cannabis laws, gun control, income tax, every jurisdiction that has every law that everyone's complaining about, Tea Party folks included, comes from this commercial jurisdiction. How do I know? There's no other jurisdiction anymore. After 140 years, every part of our government has become corporate. And you really want to know something bad? Executive Order 128.03, 1992 privatized the United States and that would be a, and, and their assets too and you're one of their assets as their corporate property chattel property sorry that's that's just how they're applying jurisdiction until the American people wake up to this deception they'll never do anything about it until then all the pro-cannabis groups and all the pro-gun groups and all these other groups that claim to be patriotic groups that don't have a clue the Constitution that they think they've taken an oath to uphold and defend has the 14th Amendment in it so it's fraudulent and that's how they made us corporations from a lawful jurisdiction that happened during the Civil War.
We've been that way ever since. They just never told us. They didn't tell us this in school. Heck, they told us the 14th Amendment was real. They practice it everywhere you go. So that's the end. I cut that off in uh, sake of time. But um, do you think anybody has any questions? I know. Um, I know someone Sorry. is waiting for on how you can, what we can do about it. Yes, know? we're we're gonna get to that. <laughs> yeah, especially about the status corrected. Uh, is steps okay correct we're getting there we're getting there we're we're just we're a few more slides away <laughs> from there well, the viewer said that you, you get you ladies are doing a great job covering very important things so there's no interruption oh thank you all right well we'll move on to the next slide then emily you want to so yeah sure so what are all these district courts and state courts inhabited by black roll bar member judges and attorneys sporting the title Esquire? They are private courts operated in foreign jurisdictions by undeclared foreign agents. The American Bar Association has a treaty allowing it to function on American soil, which it has grossly abused. What appears to be state statutes are issued under private copyright. Public documents are all public domain and cannot be copyrighted. <clears throat> and I don't know. So, well, <clears throat> before we get <clears throat> onto this slide, I just wanted to say a little something about the bar attorneys because I think that's also going to upset <clears throat> quite a few people because I have many friends whose um, husbands or spouses our bar attorneys and <clears throat> our uh, our country was wasn't founded on legal system our country was actually founded on common law <clears throat> excuse me so i think that um you know we were never supposed to <clears throat> have these legal systems we were supposed to have common law courts <clears throat> so let's sum this up and hopefully not to confuse you any further but one, there are living people born on the land of the 50 states united who are civilian inhabitants of the organic states known to, the birth, to be birthright citizens of the continental United States. People who are owed all the guarantees of the Constitution, a Republican form of government, and full enjoyment of their natural rights. <clears throat> and that's important for a lot of people to know because as a U.S. citizen, you know, you have all these people, including myself, going back, you know, even just, you know, five short months ago, um, you know, constantly saying, well, you know, that's unconstitutional. You know, you're, ta the, 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 you're taking away my constitutional rights. Well, as a U.S. citizen, you don't have constitutional rights. And so all these mandates and um, things that they're forcing upon you is because they can, because they've pulled you out of your land jurisdiction and put you into their sea jurisdiction, um, which is a democracy, by the way. And I think that's the next one um, is uh, there are living people who were either born in federal territories or who are defined as federal United States citizens by default, contract or treaty who operate under the international jurisdiction of the sea as part of a democracy. This is why we keep seeing you know, I've corrected so many people many times when um, I mean, I've even heard President Trump uh, uh, recently um, 
you know, referred to us as, you know, this is a threat to our democracy. Well, we never had a democracy. Um, you know, it's part of the jurisdiction of the sea, uh, a democracy. Um, our American government was always a Republican style of government. So in the sea jurisdiction, a part of the democracy, they only have civil rights, which are granted or taken away by members of Congress. Um, and then there are legal fiction persons, millions of them named after living American state citizens, all routinely called U.S. citizens or United States citizens. Emily. And we have the actual organic states and we have the state of states in all capitals that only exist on paper. We have actual people who are citizens or citizens with a capital C. And we have all sorts of legal fiction entities that are being passed off as citizens in all capital letters. And it's very confusing because it's, um, you know, with all this semantic deceit, it's done on purpose. And so while they've all been doing this, our uh, all our ancestors were asleep at the wheel. And so were we, because this is a continuing process that they've been doing. Yes. And, um, you know, when, when um, Emily says the state of states, like you have the state of New Jersey, it was never supposed to be the state of New Jersey. It was actually supposed to be New Jersey state. So as an American, right. that's how we um, call our state, New Jersey state. Yeah. So I just want to add that um, they did have the state of New Jersey and they were confederate. It was it was part of the Confederation, Confederate States, the 13 colonies. They were all part of this, and they were a business, an unincorporated business that functioned. Um, they did certain services for us, but they were Americans, and they were unincorporated, and they um, fell under the Articles of Confederation. Okay. And so that ended with the whole Civil War, and when this North and South seceded, that's when the American Federal Republic and the Confederation of States separated and um haven't come they haven't adjourned since then their uh, meeting their congress gotcha all right so who is responsible for this mess <laughs> well it's a long list so i'm going to try to get through it really quickly so the holy see in the vatican and all the popes since 1845 so in learning this never heard of the holy see um, maybe some of you, your listeners have, but you know, when I did a search for it, I was really shocked to find out that it was actually on our government's website. So as you can see here, this is, uh, the, the website that I, uh, found in doing this research. Um, and it's the U S department of state, the Holy see, and up in the left-hand corner, it says an official website of the United States government. And, uh, that's what it says up there. So. Anyway, uh, moving on, we, we also, who's responsible is the British monarchs since 1845, the Crown Commercial Conglomerate since 1845, the Crown Temple and Bar Association since 1845, U.S. Army since 1863, Joint Chiefs of Staff since 1944, United Nations and the Secretary General since 1944. United Nations, notice it's all in capital letters now, since 1943. 
the Federal Reserve Association since 1913, World Bank and International Bank of Reconstruction and Development since 1930 and 1933, International Monetary Fund since 1944, Vatican Bank since 1930, the Bank of International Settlements since 1944, the United States of America Incorporated since 1968, now, in all capital letters, the United States Incorporated since 1944, and I'm, I'm sure maybe some of your viewers have learned that, um, you know, that the United States was a corporation and then it was bankrupted. Well, it's been bankrupted a couple of times, but they only uh, rename it when that happens. That's what you see here. The Federal Reserve since 2011. United States of America, all in capital letters, incorporated since 2013. Members of the United States Congress since 1861. Members of the United States Congress, all in capital letters, since 1933. Congress of the United States of America since 1868. And all the presidents since Lincoln, except Garfield and Kennedy. And they both were trying to... Um, you know, expose this fraud. And as we, as we know, they both were assassinated. Um, excuse me, T Tammy, you misread one, one date. So, and for the audio viewers, um, listeners, I want to make sure that the first one that when you mentioned about United States, you did say 1968. So it's 1868. Oh, I mean. it was 1868. My bad. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Yes. So this slide um, is uh, done in Bradstreet, and when I did a search for them, uh, this uh, explanation of what kind of uh, company they are, they basically uh, are a corporation that is an American company that provides commercial data analytics and insights for businesses. So basically, they they help businesses out with um, you know financial analysis, operations, and supply, sales, and marketing professionals as well as research and insights on global businesses. So I went to their website, um, and that's what it looks like when you go there. Um, anybody can go there. It's dnb.com. And then you go to the search bar, and you type in whatever corporation you're looking for. Okay, so I put in State of New Jersey, as you can see right there. And um, Grace, take a guess how many... Uh, how many results came up? Here? Oh. Yes, when I did the search, take a guess. <laughs> With thousands? It, well, not that many, but there was about four. Well, it says here showing one of five of 475. Oh. 475. So um, these are the top four that came up. And it says state of New Jersey, as you can see in the industry section where it explains what type of company it says, uh, executive, legislat legislative, and other general government support. Um, it's located in Trenton, New Jersey. And then we go down New Jersey State Association of Chiefs of Police. Uh, then we've got New Jersey State League of Municipalities and then the New Jersey State Ch Chamber of Commerce. And all of your um, all of your towns are in there. If you do a search for the town that you live in, um, you know, I did um, I, I did a presentation for people who lived in Parsippany. So I put uh, I think I put city of Parsippany or township of Parsippany. 
and it came up with their information as well. <clears throat> you could find all the um, statistics on that as well. Um, I was shocked to see that um, in my town, we had 100 employees and we made $123 million uh, in last year. <laughs> So, oh, this is this is part of it. This is so I did the township of Parsippany, um, and this is what I came up for Parsippany township of Parsippany Troy Hills, and then I clicked on it, and this was all the analytical information that came up. And you, as you could see here, it says the sales were two hundred and eighty-seven point thirty million dollars. Um, and I don't know if it says, uh, yeah, it says 450 total employees across all of its location and generates $287.30 million in sales. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> yeah. And it also says there are 12 companies in the township of Precipity Troy Hills corporate family. Yeah. Yep. So for those of your viewers who are looking for proof, they could just go on here and, um, you know, look up their town and, you know, get the results themselves. But anyway, moving on. So the way power is supposed to flow in America. Emily, you want to take this on? Yes, yeah, sure. Okay. So um, this is the de jure land government. So in a de jure land government, which is um, government by the people and for the people, uh, the people are in control. Okay, and um, they're at the top, and then the city below that, the county, and so we go down, down, state, federation of states, state of states, confederation of states, and then finally all the way at the bottom, the federal republic or the territorial municipal subcontractors. And so um, people like John Marto with proper um, grammar, upper and lowercase, then the townships, for example, Parsippany, as opposed to township of Parsippany, because Parsippany has actual, uh, you know, it's actual landmass. It has borders and it has trees and it has grass and people on it. And then um, there's Morris County and the New Jersey State. And there's a Federation of States Assembly, which right now are the American States Assembly. And so that's a grouping of the states. And then there's a confederation, which right now we actually don't have. And then ultimately um, the federal republic and the federal republic controls the um, federal, uh, the territorial and municipal subcontractors, which you'll see in the next slide that it's actually been flipped over. And so this is what's happening right now, how they transformed what, um, how it's supposed to be. Um, so at the top, we have the subcontractors, which are the territorial and municipal, um, calling themselves governments. And then below that, um, the Confederation of States, then the Federation of States, the state, county, city, and the people are all the way at the bottom. So they completely just inverted the um, foundational structure of our American government. And so this is what we call a de facto government, which is um, operating as of right now. And that includes the federal uh, government all the way at the top, United States Incorporated. So it's a corporation, not a sovereign government. And so then there's uh, Congress, the states, which are really states, state of states. For example, state of New Jersey in all capital letters. Then there's the county of Morris, township of Parsippany. And then finally at the bottom is what we uh, people call the straw men or um, 
your uh, utility, John Mark Doe, in all capital letters, which is has been mischaracterized as a corporation. So the natural order of things is we have God at the top, and then right under God is mankind, uh, land and soil jurisdiction, people and property. That includes Americans, Italians, Canadians, Mexicans. And then as we go down, you can um, see, you know, how how religions are next, then government, then corporations, then citizens. Um, so that's the natural order of things. So now that we have, uh, we've we've given you the dreadful information of our past, the hidden history that we were never to have found out. Um, so you know now what do we do? Um, and so we need yes. we need people to come back to the land and soil. <laughs> Yeah, and I just want to add quickly that, um, you know, they've, this is just a very basic presentation. They've done other things, you know, in addition to this that we just don't have time to, you know, put it all on a um, one hour presentation. But, you know, so the good news is that there is something you can do and it's completely lawful, of course, because we operate in uh, lawful, lawfully. And so what you do is you declare yourself an, an, an American. So you do this um, with a one page, what we call the one pager. It's a 1779 um, declaration. You state that you're an American, you're not a U.S. citizen, and um, a few other things. And we actually can't show it up on the screen right now. But if you go onto our website, tasa.americanstatenationals.org, um, right under correct your status, you can click on that document and you can see it. And it's a free template. And um, you also, you'll need two witnesses, two people that have known you for at least seven years and that can verify who you are. And so what we do is we record and publish that on a public record so that there's no question of what, about who you are and what you you know what you have chosen your um, status to be, and um, you know immigrants can also correct their status if they've been here for at least seven years. There's just a few extra documents that um, you will have to record and publish. And, and, um, and the the question mm -hmm. that I get uh, a lot from people, if you can just touch on this, is what is the cost? Because for some reason people have gotten uh, some impression, I don't know where, that it costs thousands of dollars to correct your status. So if you could just uh, touch on that as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so really, um, we are not here to make money, okay? What we're trying to do is trying to bring our country back to the way it was supposed to be. So um, we have, we're using a land recording system that was created by the Federation and Anna Rod Wright's team. And so it really only costs $3 per document to get it published. So it's $9. And um, we do, the New Jersey Assembly does charge a $15 and $20 charge just for the recording secretary and the work and uh, for supplies and that kind of stuff. Um, and this is not thousands of dollars. Like I said, we're not here for money. We want... Um, to restore our lawful government. And so what we do after you declare your status on a public record, um, then you can join the New Jersey Assembly and help us finish the re reconstruction. 
which is finish what was left undone after the Civil War. Yeah. Anything else? Do you want me to go to the next slide? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So on a final note, please remember that 99% of the people involved in this kingdom of lies never knew what they were doing or why, never knew that they were doing anything wrong. Inform them, hold them accountable for what they do after this information is given to them and do your best to forgive them for they know not what they do. And this goes for a lot of our um, I know I have friends that have um, run for positions in this current government, um, and I'm hoping to have the opportunity to, you know, give this information to them, let them sit on it and digest it because it's a lot to wrap your head around. Um, but, you know, I, I know that most of them, you know, are, are unaware of what's happened to our country. And so, um, you know, we need to we need to uh, educate them and uh, we need many people like your listeners to uh, do the research and start spreading the word because the more people that we educate and, um, and you know, figure out what has happened, um, the faster we can get this country back on track. So I want to get to the uh, resources page in case anybody wants to snap a picture of this. You know, if anybody wants to do a screenshot, um, I could also send this to you, um, Grace. <clears throat> yeah, whatever you send me, I'll, I'll put it in a post notes, okay? Okay. And that's the end. <laughs> so any questions from anyone? Well, thank you, ladies. Um, do you want to close your screen so that there beautiful <laughs> well thank you so much so um first let's uh i guess this will be the website that they have to get to go to those to this website and they could get the form right um mm -hmm. correct to make it easy what's what 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 should they look for in the tab the first one uh if they go up to the top when yeah. they get to the uh the website uh, it'll say uh, correct your status. Correct. And then there's also uh, tabs up there um, mm -hmm. called uh, you know chart your course. You know, okay. so there's a lot of information on there. But if they're looking to get that that paperwork, um, they can um, they can just hit that that you know um, okay. tab. Up All there. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. And uh, um, I. I believe that one another question that they you know they you know how um, as as they how how long does it take like does it take a, just one application or does it take like a, a series of application and then how does it affect their their being able to participate or engage like in banking system in the current banking system. Okay, so um, to answer the first part of that, um, it really is up to the man or woman. Um, you create your documents, you send them, you send them to the, our recording secretary, and as soon as we receive them um, and we upload them onto our land recording system, they're basically um, considered on the public record. So just minutes. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
anyone can really join the assembly unless you work for the federal corporation because that would be a conflict of interest. That's the only, um, you know, thing we don't allow, we don't really want in the assemblies. And I'm sorry, what was the other part? Oh, banking. So um, because of the whole banking fraud and the whole, you know, we've been using Federal Reserve notes um, without, um, under duress, it's a word that we can use. They forced us to do, to do this. So what we do is um, we try to um, open our accounts in a uh, credit union instead, if possible, a state chartered or a state chartered um, state bank. And um, there's a, a way that you designate your checks and you basically um, use 12 United States, it's United States Code Title, Title 12, Section 411. And you put that on your checks when you're endorsing it. And you put redeem in lawful money per 12 USC 411. And then you just put all rights reserved. So under that title, that is your remedy um, not to use so that your digits aren't denominated in lawful money as opposed to their Federal Reserve notes. It doesn't mean that you're going to get silver or gold. <laughs> it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you are um, making that demand and exercising your remedy um, that they've provided. And um, yeah, so that's what we do for banking. And in that uh, in that website, they they're on, and you have also an ongoing um, education Zoom on an in person as well, correct? Aren't you yeah, going? We to, do. I think T Tammy, you said you have a presentation for parents or for mothers. So talk about where you know locally that they can do. So. Um, Emily and I are open to do uh, these kinds of, we've done uh, two live presentations. We have another one scheduled for next week. So we're available to come to any group um, to present to their groups. They can get in touch with us. I believe um, Emily can provide you with the uh, email for the state assembly um, that would go directly to Emily if they're interested in having us come to their group. But we also have uh, a gentleman that does uh, ed live education classes um, every two weeks, I believe. Um, and I think Emily could probably send you uh, the location and, and times and, and all the details for that. But that happens. He does them every two weeks. Um, and so we're, we're, say that again? Not, not the every Tuesday? That one, yeah. That one. Yeah. So every basically every Tuesday, and you know, unless he he has to go somewhere, I believe, right? And yeah. this this one is what information. There's a lot of information in this link that you sent me. Yeah, I just I, I put a link in the chat that we um, the New Jersey Assembly now has a new uh, their website up. Okay. So that can help people, um, you know, find these things easier as opposed to going to the TASA website. But you can also use the American State Assembly website and um, this uh, states.americanstatenationals.org slash New Jersey. That will take um, that will take you right to it, it just kind of a contact to my email. Well, OK. This one, um, I'm sure people would be interested in this. If you share your experience, uh, 
um, Emily, when you were, when, you know, when you, when you became you, when you were able to correct your status and then you um, exercise your power by dealing with the HR and how, didn't you, in terms of your taxes and all that? Were yeah, so, yeah, so um, I have to admit that I was afraid, right? Because we're all afraid. We've been indoctrinated to be fearful of um, these things. And so, um, but I'm also very brave. And so I said, well, I'm going to do it because I know this is the right thing. So I corrected my status. And back then it was a little bit more difficult because we didn't have the land recording system. I had to do it in a um, unincorporated county way up in Montana. And so, but once I corrected my status, I started learning and what I was afraid of the most was the IRS. <laughs> um, so I told myself then in order for, for me, I know this is true, right? Because I feel it. And um, it's just that intuition that I have. And I said, but I'm going to find out exactly, you know, the actual truth, truth, the, you know, the evidence. And so I did a lot of reading. I read many books on the IRS, um, including one that was the easiest one that I read was called um, Goodbye April 15th by the Boston Tea Party. And so it's out of print, but I did find it. I think it was on Amazon for like $70. And so I read it and you know, they have constitution, they have um, congressional records in there. They have all kinds of of evidence. And so the more I read, the more I felt empowered. And I realized I am doing the right thing. And I'm going to always stand for doing the right thing. So when I was ready, I, you know, I sent my uh, two letters of um, revocation, and as instructed by Anna Von Wrights and her website, to the commissioners, to the commissioner, one in uh, New York and one in Washington, D.C., and then I sent, um, I followed the process that Anna outlines for us on the website, and that's to send the WV4 to HR. And so um, when I, you know, followed up after sending that document to their office, you know, the secretary um, was like, well, what do you mean you don't pay taxes? Everybody pays taxes. And, you know, it's terrible because this is what we've been taught. It's, it's lies upon lies. And, um you know, um, and so I said to her, well, no, that's not true. Um, that's not the case at all. And if you read the title and you, you know, got yourself a little bit more informed, you would know. And um, basically um, the call ended and I really didn't have much resolution. But then um, she called me back and said, oh, well, I spoke to my manager and he said that to please send documentation why you don't pay taxes. Aha! <laughs> uh -huh. So somebody knows something. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, uh, that's yeah. Very, very brave. And you made an opening, a door for other, you know, people for other individuals who will correct their status. So it just takes one person to, you know, get in there. Yeah. Uh, Tammy, you have any interesting uh, story or? you know, just anecdote for people. Cause it, it is scary it, because we've been, you know, we, we're, we're born in this situation. So it's scary, but at the same time, there's always something as, as divine as celestial human beings. There's something in there that just wants to claim the, the right yeah. way, the divine way. 
Yes. Well, I feel like Emily, it's like once you know the information and you know that what they've done is fraud um, and they're continuing to commit fraud on on all of us. And, um, you know, their goal was to decimate the middle class. Um, and that's why there's so many taxes for, you know, based on the middle class, you know. And so um, for me, um, you know, doing this, yeah, of course, I think the, the most scary thing for me is getting on a platform like this and um, not knowing who's going to see it and, um, you know, putting my face out there. But like Emily said, you know, um, because I know that this is wrong, I feel like we must tell as many people as possible, let them do their own research. I mean, we've given plenty of information for people to go back and start researching. Um, I know for me, I was so floored and so baffled that the information's out there. It's not like it's really hidden. It's it's out there. Um, we never knew that, we, that, that, you know, we had to look for it. You know, if you don't know that a problem exists, then how do you know you need to fix it, right? So, um, so for me, uh, once I read, I read the fruit from a poisonous tree, really, that was the thing that set me over the edge. And the fact that the guy is a U.S. Marine, he served this country in so many areas of our government. I really feel like he was a really good, um, a reputable uh, source. Um, and the fact that he was, you know, risking it all and putting, you know, the information out there for everybody to learn of was inspirational. And so I feel that, well, if Melvin Stamper can do that <laughs> and Emily can do that, um, then I certainly felt like, you know, I could do my part and, and, um, and get out there and spread the word. So that's, that's my story. <laughs> and I've got four kids. So I'm hoping that eventually all this hard work and, um, you know, dedication will pay off for them and my grandchildren and generations to come. Yeah, we may not see the fruit of our dedication and labor, but for sure, it's it's still the right thing to do. It's and we're just doing it in divine right timing, divine right order. So, yep, yeah, you know, everything is just a lot of information. So now, you know, just tap into our divinity and it will say, okay, this one is good thing. You know, yeah. listen, listen, open your eyes and it's there. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I just want to yeah, tell anything more that you really want to say more. I think we have, let's just say we have six minutes more. Okay. I just wanted to quickly say, because I know you put the fruit of a poisonous tree um, down there, but um, most of the stuff that we also um, got for the presentation is based on Anna's book. Um, you know, something is wrong when. And so she wrote that book um, and anybody could just buy that. It's on Amazon um, or on the website. They have it, a PDF file for free. And then um, the other thing I wanted to say was that, um, you know, the American states assemblies are up in all 50 states. And so this is happening actually on a worldwide level. But concerning our American government, this is happening in all 50 states. And um, yeah, so we're well on our way getting started to do this so you like and it's I what we're it supposed to the, something is wrong when right yeah and it's like dot 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 um a uh, affidavit of probable cause or something like that yeah, yeah. 
so no it, it, it's truly an exciting time and this um i like when we are learning more now about the parallel things so maybe like others may not be doing the the correcting the status but at least something new is coming up on one side of the healthcare system on this side and eventually at some point you know it just gets better and better so for all the listeners and viewers you do i'm there there is no i have no doubt that nothing in this presentation resonated to you okay so i'm sure something so then that something just get into your you know feel sense or intuition and for sure it will lead you to one link to another to one book to another and to a, yeah. a every state as you said has a group okay yes. and, a and, I, and i think for for me um you know i was starting to feel really helpless and hopeless really because all the efforts that i was making at emailing and calling my legislators and basically begging them for freedoms that was already fought for by our founding fathers and given to us by our founding fathers and all the colonists that fought in that american revolutionary war and gave you know sacrificed their lives that those freedoms were already given to us and granted to us and the fact that i have to stand here and basically beg these legislators for a freedom that was already supposed to be mine, didn't make any sense. None of it made any sense. But when I came across this information, it was like, oh, it was like a light bulb went off. It was a breath of fresh air. It was like, oh, there's there's actually something I can do here. And that was empowering all onto itself. So. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. And <laughs> I, it seems like this will be You've chosen your lifetime's work. <laughs> yes, it certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lifetime because, it, as you say, it took, it, you know, it was happening before we were born, before our yeah. parents were born. So yep. you just have to continue to, to all of us can work together. I hope it just happens instantly. But we, okay. So um, <laughs> thank you again and thank you so much. And yes, um, do again for our listeners and viewers. I'm sure you have many experiences, and feel free get, get yourself a community, then get yourself a friend, and do something about it. Okay, and we thank you. And I like again to just kind of end up and just remind ourselves that we are so much greater than we think we are actually <laughs> that we we that they let us believe we are they were so much more massive our consciousness is so massive beyond our own bio personal you know and beyond planetary dimensions okay right. take care thank you great thank, thank you so much okay